Welcome to He Restores My Soul with Janie Ortland, where you can find encouragement for your busy life through God's renewing mercies. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our discipleship series. I want to thank each one of you for your patience with me as I've worked through how to teach discipleship over the internet. (laughs) I never thought I'd be doing that. You all have been very patient with me, and I've heard from some of you that this is working for you, and you'd like to try it again next year. So the Lord bless you in that. Let me know if you have questions or if there's any way that I can help you. Today, I'd like to teach on God's name and why I'm asking you to say it or possibly even sing it over each other in your discipleship groups every week. My teaching today is taken from my book published by Crossway called His Loving Law, My Lasting Legacy, Living the Ten Commandments and Giving Them to Our Children. The teaching is based on the third commandment, And I have talked about this commandment before in some previous podcasts, but I always cover this topic in my discipleship groups, so I think it bears repeating here. The third commandment is found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and it says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, as I've taught before, in each commandment we find four elements. Revelation, confrontation, guidance, and promise. Revelation, what God is like. Confrontation, what we are like. Guidance, how we should try to live now. And promise, how we will live every single day once we are in glory. Let's start with the revelation God gives us of himself in this commandment. To understand the third commandment, we must understand why God takes his name so seriously. Today, a name is little more than a personal label. My husband, Ray, would be just as insightful and tender-hearted if he were a John or Charlie or Bubba. Actually, his family name is Bud. But in the Bible, a name often goes much deeper. Think of how particular God was at times to name certain people. He changed Abram's name to Abraham and Sarai to Sarah. He named Isaac. We find all of that in Genesis chapter 17. Jacob, he renamed as Israel in Genesis 32, 28. And of course, Jesus in Matthew 1, 21, God gave Jesus his name. The giving of a name was the prerogative of a superior, a parent or a king or a chief. Joseph's name was changed by Pharaoh in Genesis 41-45, and Daniel's name by the chief of Nebuchadnezzar's eunuchs in Daniel 1-7. 
A name might match the character or the function of a person. Moses named his son born to him in Midian Gershom because it sounds like the Hebrew for sojourner and it means resident alien. We're taught that in Exodus chapter 2, verse 22. Sometimes the selection of a name signified hope. Think of Jacob's wives, Leah and Rachel. Leah felt Jacob's scorn, and she named her sons accordingly. We see that in Genesis 29, verses 32 through 35. And Rachel's son, Joseph, means may he add, and it sounds like the Hebrew for taken away. Rachel felt that her reproach had been taken away, and she was already praying for another son as she named her first son, Joseph, may he add. One other function of naming someone must be understood to grasp the meaning of this commandment. Whenever the name-bearer places his own name upon another, this signifies the joining of two separate persons in the closest of unions. We see this in a husband giving his name to his wife, Isaiah chapter 4, verse 1, or in Israel being called by Yahweh's name in Deuteronomy 28, verses 9 and 10. And in the New Testament, in Matthew 28, 19, we are told that we're baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, baptized into their names. God's name also reveals his character and his reputation. In Leviticus 24, verses 10 through 16, the son of an Israelite woman and an Egyptian father was sentenced to death because he blasphemed the name. Why? This had to be more than a mere slip of the tongue. This was so grievous to God that it bore the ultimate punishment. Again, why? Well, it's because God's name is more than a label. His name is his self-revelation, what he wants us to know about himself. He has revealed his name as a refuge. Think of Proverbs 18.10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Now today, we would not say that we run into a name for safety, as the Lord said back then. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. He has revealed his name as active. Listen to what he says in Isaiah 30, 27. The name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger, and in thick smoke rising. Whoa, that's some sort of activity in a name. His name can be despised, Isaiah 52, 5. Now, leaders, if you want to pause the podcast and look up any of these references, feel free to. I'm not going to read the exact verses. I'm just going to give you all the references. They also can be found in our transcript there on our uh, website, but it would take too long and be too cumbersome if I read 
what every verse said, so I'll just quote the references here. His name can be despised, Isaiah 52.5, or defiled and profaned, Jeremiah 34.16, and Proverbs 39. His name can also be loved, Psalm 5.11, praised and exalted, Psalm 34.3, walked in. I like that. You can walk in the name of the Lord, Micah 4.5, esteemed, Malachi 3.16, feared, Malachi 4.2, waited for, Psalm 52.9, Given thanks to Psalm 54, 6, blessed and praised, Psalm 145, verses 1 and 2. We see all throughout Scripture that God's name signifies his revealed character and his esteemed reputation. Listen to these verses Psalm 23, 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Or Psalm 2511, for your name's sake, pardon my guilt. Or Psalm 79, verses 9 and 10, help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sins for your name's sake. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Or Jeremiah 14, verses 7 through 9. Though our iniquities testify against us, act, O Lord, for your name's sake. For our backslidings are many. We are called by your name. Do not leave us. Finally, Ezekiel 36 Verses 21 through 23. Listen to God speaking here. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations to which they came. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of my holy name which you have profaned among the nations. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, and the nations will know that I am the Lord. God's active presence is in his name. When his name is upon a people, they are blessed. Think of Aaron's blessing in Numbers 6, verses 24 through 26, which is often used as a blessing at a baptism or as a benediction at the close of a service. It says this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have you ever noticed the next verse? Verse 27 says, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. To bless someone is to put God's name upon them. Where God's name is, there's blessing, because where his name is, he is being revealed. Exodus twenty twenty four says, In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, 
I will come to you and bless you. You see, when you say, the Lord bless you, you are offering a prayer that the one blessed may know the active presence of God in the fullness of his revealed character. Think of how many times God's name has been put upon you in blessing and benediction of favor and grace and protection and peace. I've decided myself to say goodbye to each of our grandchildren with with this prayer from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray that God's active presence may surround them in ways only he can during our frequent separations from each other. Now, there is further revelation in his name because his names are packed with doctrinal content. They are affirmations of our faith. There are so many different ways God names himself to us in his word. Let me suggest a few. Think of what these names teach us about himself. He is called Elohim, the omnipotent creator in Isaiah 40. He's called El Shaddai, the Sovereign Lord, or God Almighty, in Genesis 17, verse 1. He is called Lord with all capital letters, or Yahweh, Jehovah. It's God's personal name, which expresses the essence of God's character. He is the self-existent, self-sufficient, sovereign. That's a mouthful to say, isn't it? He's self-existent, self-sufficient, and he's our sovereign, who depends on no one or nothing. Exodus 3, verses 13 and 14 say this, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. In Psalm 103, he is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner our security in the presence of our enemies, Exodus 17, 15. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who will provide, Genesis 22, 14. He is Jehovah Shalom, as Gideon said. The Lord is peace, Judges 6, 24. We could go on, but we'll stop there. Do you see? His names teach us about himself. They show us how he relates to us. Each name is an affirmation of our faith. When I esteem God's peace, his providence, his healing, his sovereignty, his provision, I'm reverencing God Almighty. So, so far, we have seen the depth and the meaning of a name, how God's name reveals his character and his reputation. It's what he wants us to know about himself. We've seen that his name can be acted upon by being despised or defiled or loved and exalted. 
His name reveals his character and his reputation. And he is very present in his name. His name is packed with doctrinal content, and he's telling us more about himself every time he uses his name. God loves us in this third commandment by telling us what would dishonor his name. He confronts us and he guides us. God warns us that we may not treat his name lightly. The word translated vain in our commandment here in Exodus 20 verse 7 connotes something very thin and pale and worthless and empty. That word vain means nothingness. How do we take God's name in vain? How do we misuse it? Well, we do that when we're treating God's name as if it were worth nothing to us. He cares how we treat his name because we're in a love relationship with him. Lovers treat each other's names with tenderness and awe. So how do we take his name in vain? Well, I think as our cultural communication takes on more and more vulgarity, we see God's name mentioned frequently in just casual, meaningless chatter. But the third commandment tells us this is wrong. It shows contempt for God, and it cheapens his name, saying, Oh my God, or Good Lord, or even, I think, Lord, have mercy. When we win a huge prize or stub our toe or get cut off on the freeway, I believe that's taking God's name in vain. We must not do it, ever, period. But there are other more subtle ways to take his name in vain. We make light of his name when we add it to lend force to our language. Often this springs from really good intentions. You might say, well, the Lord led me to tell you this. Or, I believe it's God's will that you. Or, I swear with God as my witness. Let me ask you. Isn't your word alone enough without taking God's name in vain on top of it? You see, religious jargon violates the third commandment. I'm convicted even as I teach this. I I wonder if when I hear someone sneeze and I say, God bless you, am I taking his name in vain then? I'm still trying to figure that one out. (laughs) Maybe some of you listeners can let me know what you think. Not only do we take his name in vain with our words, but it, the third commandment targets so much more than how we speak about God. I could go through life, you could too, and never let a bad word slip out of your mouth. And yet we could still break this commandment. How? By professing his name, but not living by it. Whenever my life does not bear out what my words say, I'm breaking this commandment. Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. 
We take his name in vain when we bear his name, but do not live in the fullness of who he is. We are treating his name as nothingness when we call ourselves Christians, but he's unreal. He's nothing to us. Whenever we settle into a dull, empty Christian experience with no struggle, no pressing on, as if Jesus were boring. But then we call ourselves Christians. We're taking up the name of Christ as nothingness, in vain. God has revealed himself to us as, I am who I am. He is absolute, eternal, unchangeable, ultimate, delightful, all-satisfying reality. To identify myself with him, to call myself a Christian, but to live as if all that his name really means doesn't matter to me, that is taking his name in vain. You see, a bored, self-centered Christian following a glorious God is taking his name in vain. And where does that leave every one of us but humbled to our knees? Oh, we need his help here. God gives us more guidance. How do we live not taking his name in vain, before watching eyes and listening ears, especially the little ones in our midst. The positive side of the third commandment is found in the first phrase of the Lord's Prayer, Hallowed be your name. You see, when we hallow God's name, we we treat it as holy, as separate, and above everything. Every other name in the universe. We hold it in reverence and awe. We recognize it as sacred. When you call yourself a Christian, you have the name of the God of the universe upon you, and it is a costly name. God sacrificed his own son to adopt you into his family and to give you his name. Does your life bear a family resemblance to your firstborn brother? Let's be women who hallow his name in our lives like we're really his. I wonder, can anyone tell I'm a Christian before I ever even open my mouth? In the midst of a cultural ideal that marginalizes and trivializes God's name, trying to make him look small, Let's learn how to honor God for his greatness. The third commandment encourages us to live as though God were everything he reveals himself to be, to treat God as everything that, in fact, he is. If you want more of the living God than you have ever had before, the third commandment is assuring you, and it's assuring me, that that's what God wants too. God is saying to us all, All that I am, I want to put on you as you bear my holy name. We can come to God. We can tell him, I believe your name is holy. I believe it's sacred. Now please help me to live that way, to live like it is. Teach me how to honor your name more fully in my words and in my deeds. Let me live a life of holy reverence because I bear your name. I call myself a Christian. Help me, Lord. 
We sometimes struggle to honor God's name the way we should, to not take it in vain, either with our words or our actions. But someday, we will take God's name on ourselves perfectly. We will worship God as real and weighty and glorious and valuable and near. Never again will God be blasphemed or ignored or forgotten or belittled. Think of these verses. Psalm 86, 9. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. Or Philippians 2, 10 and 11. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every name confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And Zechariah 14.9 And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day there will be one Lord, and his name the only name. Oh, I can hardly wait for that day. Now, that concludes my teaching for today's lesson, but I want you to go into worship. I want you to use these following verses for your worship time today. I'll give you the references, and then leaders, there are one, two, three, four, five of them, ask five different women to look up these verses and read them. Then I want you to offer prayers of adoration and confession and thanksgiving and supplication over these verses for your time of worship. Respond to what you've learned about God's name and not taking it in vain. These are the verses. Psalm 103, 1, Isaiah 26, 8, Deuteronomy 28, 58, John 20, 31, and Colossians 3, 17. That's Psalm 103, 1, Isaiah 26, 8, Deuteronomy 28, 58, John 20, 31, and Colossians 3, 17. Now, leader, pause the podcast Look up these verses and spend a little time in worship, praying through our acts acrostic of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And then take a five-minute break before you turn us back on. Welcome back. I hope you've had a good time of worshiping the Lord. Now, I, I want to go through your accountability with you. Leaders, you can do this on your own. I want you to, after I'm done talking to you about this, I'll tell you when to pause the podcast, but I want you to go through your quiet times together and meditation verses, your Bible memory. Perhaps some of the women have chosen which short passage they want to learn. Ask about that. Finish reading your book on Priority 2, whatever it is. Perhaps you've already finished, but if not, make sure and finish your discussion on that reading and talk about how exchanging your weekly schedules and praying for each other went. So that's 
five things I want you to pause the podcast and discuss leaders. You just lead them in that, how your quiet times and meditations are going. If anyone's chosen their Bible memory verses, your final time to talk about your book for Priority 2, and then how it went praying for each other. Go ahead and pause the podcast now. Now let me give you your assignment for next week. I want you to have six quiet times again and work on your verse of meditation. Make sure you have a short passage that you would like to memorize and begin working on it. Get the first verse or two under your belt. And then we're going to be reading Christian biographies in our last few months together. So you might start thinking about different Christian biographies, if there are any you know or anyone you would like to read about. We'll talk more about that next week. And then prepare a calendar to bring back with you next week to hand out to a prayer partner. Your quiet times, meditation, your Bible memory, Christian biographies, and your calendar. Those are your five assignments. Now, Take some time, share your prayer requests, and spend time praying for each other. If you have any time left, leaders, watch your clock, and then exchange your weekly calendars uh, for prayer partners. After you've shared your prayer requests and you're ready to close, come back on. I'm going to ask you to close each week by saying our benediction from number 6, verses 24 through 26. I would encourage you, and maybe you know it to a certain tune. That's great. Sing it together. Or um, you could all open up and uh, your Bible to number 6, verses 24 through 26, and read it over each other. Or the leader could choose one person to read it over everyone. And then, leader, I want you to read Numbers 627. These verses say, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's my prayer for each one of you. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and upon those who are listening to this podcast. And God says, I will bless them. May he restore your soul as he brings his blessing upon you through his holy name. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast is generously funded through Renewal Ministries. If you would like to discover more about Jannie and Ray's ministry or make a donation, visit their website at renewalministries.com. If you have a question for Jannie or would like to learn more about this podcast, please visit our website at herestoresmysoul.org.